Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The New Testament reading comes from the ch chapter 5 of James, verses 13 through 16. Let us listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Today's gospel reading is from the ninth chapter of Mark's gospel, verses 38 through 41. We're currently studying Mark's gospels on Thursdays at noon via Zoom. If you'd like to join us for a lively discussion about what God is saying to the church through this gospel. But today we consider what Jesus is saying to us in the ninth chapter of Mark. John said to Jesus, Teacher, uh, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, because you bear the name of Christ, will by no means lose the reward. The word of the Lord. When I worked in New York City, what seems like a lifetime ago, I would take the New Jersey Transit train from Princeton into Penn Station every day of the work week, and on Sunday mornings as well. From there, I would catch the E-train to the 5th and 53rd Street station, a stop where I became acquainted with a panhandler who had set up shop in that prime bit of real estate. One day, I asked him, frankly, what was the worst part of begging for money each and every day? His answer surprised me and stuck with me. I don't mind people not giving me their money, he said. I understand that. What hurts is when they act as if I'm not there. What hurts is when they don't take the time to actually see me, to see me as another person walking this planet Earth. The disciples apparently still do not see Jesus has just taught them about welcoming children into their midst instead of seeking greatness for themselves. And their response is to tattletale on someone they don't know who is using Jesus' name. Instead of looking for children, they're behaving like one. Seeing themselves as deputized protectors of Jesus and his small community of followers They proudly bragged to Jesus that they tried to stop a stranger from using his name to help someone by healing them from a possessed demon. It appears that rather than looking for children, the disciples are on the lookout for those they deem to be illegitimate followers of Jesus. And our Savior is not impressed. Do not stop him, he says. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. Whoever is not against us is for us. I can't get this teaching out of my mind this week. Whoever is not against us is for us. The sentence, it sounds so so strange, so odd, so foreign, so frankly naive in a time when we are so divided one against another. 
In our world, in our time, we love to define ourselves like the disciples did, over and against someone else. Instead of seeing difference, difference in opinion, difference in perspective, difference in practice as the natural order of things, we have decided that some people are just plain wrong in body, mind, and spirit. I mean, take a moment to think back over the past week. Think back and see if you can recall a time, a moment, a conversation when you referred to someone out loud or in your head as stupid or lost or ignorant or crazy just because they think or believe or vote or act or love differently than you do. I'm guilty. I did it nearly every day. It's as if our judgment and condemnation have almost become a reflex, like a bad habit we can't seem to break. We are triggered by someone or something different than us, and to calm our own discomfort in the situation, we judge and label the other person to lift ourselves up. I mean, John had just been chastised by Jesus for not seeking children and seeking greatness instead, and so in response, he talks about a time he judged another. In fact, I worry we've gotten so used as a people, so custom to defining our identity over and against, against someone else's identity, that we've forgotten that there is more than one way. There's more than one way for good people, for smart people, for faithful people to love, to serve, to vote, to think, to act, and even to believe. We know it's true, but it bears repeating in this hyper-partisan, hyper-polarized time. There is more than one faithful way to love. There is more than one faithful way to interpret the Bible. There is more than one faithful way to worship. There is more than one faithful way to preach. There's more than one faithful way to serve. Whoever is not against us is for us. I don't think the disciples are trying to be cruel today when they chastise a stranger for using Jesus' name. I think they believe they're being faithful. I think they believe it's their primary responsibility to protect or defend Jesus. But Jesus does not need our protection. What Jesus needs is people, all kinds of people, willing to do what needs to be done to expand, to further, to reveal the kingdom of God that is at hand. Jesus needs people to love and to serve and to forgive and to share. He needs people to come together in a common purpose to witness in word and in deed that we are all one in Christ Jesus and all equally in need of his redeeming grace. Whoever is not against us is for us. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He takes this lesson a step further when he teaches that whoever gives a cup of water to someone who bears the name of Christ, that person will receive a reward. There's a reward to be had for anyone willing to be supportive or gracious towards those of us who do ministry in Christ's name. No affirmation of faith is needed, no baptism required, no orthodoxy test given. The reward is theirs simply because they are willing to support and not oppose those who serve in Christ's name. 
Whoever is not against us is for us. We are not deputized to protect Christ. We are, we are called to follow Christ. We are not set apart for a special task. We are called to work with everyone who is not actively working against the mission and ministry of the church. We are not special. We are not closer to the truth. We are simply one community of people trying to figure out what it looks like for us here in this place and time to love, to know, to follow Christ. I take this to mean, anyway, that we are not called to make it our primary purpose to call out or even convert people of other churches or faith traditions or even those who don't regularly come to church. All those Easter and Christmas Christians who come to church twice a year, they are on our team. Church attendance is not a prerequisite for faithfulness. We are not the protectors of the faith. Our faith doesn't need protecting. It needs people willing to live it each and every day. We are partners in ministry with anyone and everyone who is not actively working against Jesus and his disciples. Now, when I tried this week to take a moment to name who that might be, when I tried to list on paper all those people I know who are actively attacking us or working against us, the the list I came up with was really, really short. Outside of a few communist regimes, some media conglomerates, and a handful of dictators around the world, I can think of very few people that I know who are actively and consciously working against Jesus. Now, on the other hand, I do know a lot of people who are frustrated with the church. I know a lot of people who actively push back against the church, especially when it preaches hate or judgment or an exclusionary version of the gospel. I know a lot of people who speak out against the church because of the abuse they have received from the church or because of a perceived lack of willingness the church seems to have for serving and welcoming the least of these. A lot of people are frustrated with the church, and I would say probably actively working against it. But in general, my experience anyways, people across theological, ideological, and political spectrums, most people are pretty good with Jesus. They like Jesus. It's his followers who act as if they have the corner of the truth, who seek to protect rather than perform the faith. Those are the ones they have the problem with. Hugh Hollowell is a Mennonite minister He's also the founder of Love Wins Ministries, where he pastors a congregation made up mostly of people who are homeless. Several years ago, while speaking to a secular audience, Reverend Hollowell briefly mentioned that he ran a faith-based organization that helped homeless people. In that same talk, as an aside, he used the example of gay marriage to show how relationships with people can change the way we feel about people we've labeled as the other. That was all he said about gay marriage, about homosexuality, or even his own faith tradition. When he finished his talk, Reverend Hollowell made a beeline for the bathroom. While washing his hands, he noticed a man standing by the door, staring at him. After a few awkward seconds, the man spoke. Are you gay? He asked Hollowell. 
Hugh told him that he was not. But homeless people who are gay, you help them, right? Yeah, I do. And you're a Christian, right? Yeah, I'm a Christian. The man looked Hugh dead in the eye and said, I didn't know that you could be a Christian and help gay people. The man went on to tell Hugh how his family disowned him because he came out to them. He also told Hugh how religious they are and how because of them he wants nothing to do with the church. I hate the church, he said. After everything they have done to me and my friends, I can't stand their hypocrisy and their self-righteous attitude. Hugh kindly told him he didn't blame him for feeling this way. The man then asked a really strange question. He asked if he could hug Hugh. Hugh said, sure. And in that bathroom, with tears in both their eyes, the man thanked Hugh for being willing to help anyone, including gay people. With that, he turned and walked toward the door to leave, but then he stopped suddenly, and with his hand still on the door, said, you know it's strange. I really hate the church. You can't pay me to go back there. But I really miss Jesus. Whoever is not against us is for us. This week, I invite you to ponder with me the simple but powerful teaching of Jesus and to join me in considering who we think in our life, in the world, who we think we are protecting Jesus from. Because it just might be that despite their apparent difference, that they too are on Jesus' team, doing his work, serving the same people we are called to serve. I'm asking you to try this because I know from personal experience and talking to people of faith, there is someone or some group of people who you think are not as faithful as you are. I'm guilty of that. And because of that, you, you judge them. And because of that judgment, you miss seeing them. And more importantly, because you miss seeing them, you miss the opportunity to work with them to bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. Amen.